How many grateful in the building? Come on and give him some, some praise if you're grateful. Come on, tell him thank you if you're grateful. Come on and open your mouth and give him the glory that's due unto his name. If you know he's been good, you ought to be praising him. If he ever healed you when you were sick, you ought to be praising him. If he ever comforted you when you were lonely, you ought to be praising him. If he ever lifted up your bowed down head when you were discouraged, you ought to be praising him. If you're in a mess, even right now, you still ought to be giving him praise because he's yet able to bring you out. Anybody know he's able to bring you out? Tell your neighbor, regardless of how it look right now, tell him weeping may endure for a night, but the Bible said joy cometh in the morning. So don't hold back your praise. Don't wait till he bring you out. Don't wait till he heal you. Don't wait till he deliver you, but go ahead and praise him in advance. There's something about it when we worship and when we praise the Lord. There's something about when we worship and praise the Lord. Good things happen. How many know good things happen when we praise the Lord? I wish Paul and Silas could come here and take this mic. They'll tell you that good things happen. When you praise the Lord, when you take your mind off of your problem and off of your situation, off of your circumstance, and you just begin to praise God out of the depths of your heart, my God, and as good as God has been, I, I, I would say he's worthy to be praised as good as he's been. Come on and give him the greatest praise you can give him if, if you will. Welcome into this place. Welcome into this broken vessel you desire. To abide in the praises of your people. So we lift our hands as we lift our hearts. As we offer up this praise unto your name. Everybody join in and say welcome. Welcome, Lord, to this place. Lord, we welcome your presence. Welcome into this broken vessel. You desire to abide in the praises. So we live. Oh Lord, we lift 
we offer up as we offer up unto your name everybody join in again and say welcome Lord we welcome you Lord we welcome you Jesus please come into this road you desire to abide in the praises so we lift we lift our hearts we offer up somebody that now if he hadn't been good to you you don't worry about worshiping but those that know he's been good lift your voice and say welcome Lord, we welcome you. Lord, you're invited in here. We welcome you into this broad confessor. You desire to abide in the praises of all of your people. So we live. We lift our hearts and we offer up this praise. Praise unto your name, your name, your name, your name. We offer up this praise unto Lord, you've been so good. We give you praise. Oh, yeah. You brought us from a mighty long way. Lord, we bless you. We praise you. We praise you. We praise you. We praise you. Oh, yes. We have so much to praise you for. Oh, yes. Say it one more time, oh Lord, oh Lord, oh Lord, we offer this praise unto your name. How many know he's worthy? He's worthy! He's worthy. Ain't got much help this morning, but he's worthy. He's a healer, way maker, deliverer, strong tower, my rock in a weary land, my bread. My water, my joy, my peace, my happiness, Jesus. Anybody in here know him? Have you tried him? Say yes, yes. 
goodness in all that he's done I've got to praise him I've got to bless him because he's been good when I look over my life I can say he's been good yeah yeah yes he's been good shake a neighbor's hand and say neighbor I got a reason I got a reason to give God praise he woke me up this morning clothed in my right mind started me on my way I had food on the table had a roof over my head he's worthy When I first got here, I didn't really feel up to preaching. Tired in my body, but when you mess around and start talking about Jesus, I can't sit down on him. And I can't understand other folks who say they got, a, got all this Holy Ghost and, 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 and that they love the Lord. I can't understand how can you sit down on a living God on a God who's a healer and a thriller, a way maker, a heart fixer, a mind regulator. Somebody may want me to shut up, but I can't. I feel like Jeremiah is like fire. Ah, it's like fire. Shut up in my bone. I just can't hold my peace when I think of Jesus and all that he done in my life. I know he's been good. I don't want you to turn to nobody, but I want you to tell the Lord, Lord, if nobody else prays you, Lord, I will. If nobody else worship you, Lord, I will. If nobody else tell you thank you, Lord, I will. And I've discovered it don't take the whole church 
Jesus said, where two or three? Assemble themselves in my name and touch and agree on any one thing. He said, I'll be in the midst. It don't take everybody clapping their hands. So it never bothered me when folks don't clap. Because in that Philippi jail, all the prisoners that were in there wasn't but two of them praising. And that was Paul and Silas. And based on their praise alone, God caused an earthquake to come. Is it anybody wanting to shake the house this morning? Do you know how to get him to shake the house? All you do is open your mouth and begin to bless his name and he'll shake greater union this morning. Anybody want him to shake us again? Lord, shake us. Shake us again, oh God. Shake us. This modern day church need a good old shaking. Need a good old Holy Ghost shaking. Where we can love right, we need a shaking. Where we can praise right, we need him to shake us. My God. My God. Lord, we bless your name. We thank you. Just for being God. We thank you for what you've done. We praise you and worship you for who you are. You deserve the glory. You deserve the honor. You deserve our praise. And Lord, as we're about to go into your word, to feast upon the bread of life, I pray now that you would anoint me afresh to speak your word. Don't just anoint me, but anoint every hearer that is in this sanctuary. Lord, we pray that yokes will be destroyed, that burdens will be lifted, that needs will be supplied. We pray that lives will be touched and lives will be changed. In the name of Jesus, we thank you for what you've already done in this place. We thank and praise you for what you're about to do. And we'll be so careful, Lord, to give you and you alone all of the glory and all of our worship and praise. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Every heart agree by saying amen. On your way down, give God some kind of praise.
as you go to your seat. I am a firm believer that everything that hath breath ought to give God praise. That's what the book said. It's written in the word. In Psalm 150, he said, everything. Let everything that have breath. Give God praise. If you can't holler, whistle. If you can't clap your hand, pat your foot. If you can't clap them, wave them. Because I believe the church has become too casual in our approach to worship God. And I have discovered that we're not doing God a favor when we do praise him. Because he said, you can keep your mouth closed. He said, if you keep your mouth closed, the rocks will cry out. That's the word. And we must, as believers of God, See, let, let me say this. When we come to church, we ain't coming to no funeral service. Last time I read my Bible in Psalm 100, it said, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. And then it tells us who? All ye lands. That means everybody. Oh, to give God the praise that's due unto him. To be honest with you, you know, <clears throat> we're not clapping for the preacher or for the choir. We're not, we shouldn't praise just because we're prompted to praise. But we ought to be prompted to praise just based on the Lord's goodness to us. His goodness alone ought to prompt us that, hey, you need to give God some praise for that. Shouldn't have to wait till a certain part of the service before that happened because the book says, the Bible says, when you come in, we should enter his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with what? Then it says we ought to be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. <laughs> oh Lord. My Lord. I'm, I'm, I'm one of those preachers. I don't believe in really preaching um, a, what, what I would consider a Mother's Day sermon because I've always felt in my heart that that's not always the best thing to do. It may be the traditional thing to do, but it's not always the best thing to do because I've always taken into account that there are people whose mothers 
have gone home to be with the Lord. And I'm one I don't believe in trying to stir people emotionally. Amen. Play on people's emotions. I don't believe in that. But I believe that the word of, of the Lord should be preached. And as we've said to all the mothers, we wish you a happy Mother's Day. Amen. And we just pray that you will thoroughly enjoy your day. And I'm finna shut my big mouth with talking and I'm going to go to preaching. Because I want you to be able to get out and enjoy time with your family. Amen. Today I want to call your attention to the book of Leviticus. And um, we want to look in chapter 26. Chapter 26 of in the book of Leviticus and we will begin reading at verse 1 after you find Leviticus chapter 26 in verse 1 those of you who are able we ask that you would stand in reverence to the reading of the word of God Leviticus chapter 26 beginning at verse 1 you'll find these words Ye shall make you no idols, nor graven image. Neither rear you up a standing image. Neither shall ye set up any image of stone in your land to bow down unto it. For I am the Lord your God. Ye shall keep my Sabbaths and reverence my sanctuary. I am the Lord. If ye walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and do them, then I will give you rain in due season. And the land shall yield her increase, and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. And your threshings shall reach unto the vintage, and the vintage shall reach unto the sowing time. And ye shall eat your bread to the full, and dwell in your land safely. And I will give peace in the land, and ye shall lie down, and none shall make you afraid. And I will rid evil beasts out of the land, neither shall the sword go through your land. And ye shall chase your enemies, and they shall fall before you by the sword. And five of you shall chase a hundred, and a hundred of you shall put ten thousand to flight. And your enemies shall fall before you by the sword. In verse 9, for I will have respect unto you and make you fruitful and multiply you and establish my covenant with you. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. This morning I want to talk very briefly 
from this thought. I want to talk about the benefits of obedience. The benefits of obedience. I'm not going to trouble you long. I've already done the hoop on the front side. But tell your neighbor, if you don't mind, before we go into our study, tell your neighbor there are benefits in obeying the Lord. In Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 19, you don't have to turn there, but it reads as follows. In Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 19, the Lord says unto his people, he said, if you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. How many in here have a desire in your heart to eat the good of the land? Well, what the Lord meant when he said that, he says unto his people, if you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. There are several things that I need to point out in that one verse. Number one, notice the order in which he said. He didn't say if ye be obedient and willing, but he said if you be willing and obedient. And anything he said in the order in which he said it, he said it for a reason in that order. Because I have discovered except you are willing in your heart to obey what he said. How many know there is no way that we will walk in obedience to what he said. In order for us to obey, we have to have a willing heart. There must first be a willing mind because I have discovered that if people do not have a willingness of their mind and heart, they will not obey. I don't care who it is, even if it's Jesus speaking. If there is not first a willing heart and a willing mind, the individual will not obey what the instructions were. But the Lord went on to say in Isaiah 1 and 19, he said, if you be willing and obedient, then he said, then here is the benefit of your willingness and obedience. He said, you shall eat the good of the land, meaning the eating of the good of the land is symbolic to the fact that God will bless your life. He will bless your life throughout the word of God. We will see it written all throughout the word. Even in Psalm 1, Psalm 1, if you want to know how to be blessed, if you would abide even by Psalm 1, Psalm 1 said, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of a sinner, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in that law he meditates day and night. And look at what's going to be the benefit. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in what? his season then it says his leaf shall not wither and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper 
all throughout the word of God we will discover that if we walk in obedience to the word of God he will abundantly bless our life tell somebody you gotta obey what he said believe it or not there are many people who are not walking in the fullness of the abundance that Jesus came to give us simply because they failed to obey his word. Let me tell you something. Jesus came that we may have life, eternal life, and then he said, and that they may have life more abundantly. That speaks to the fact that the Lord desires to bless us. Do you know what abundant means? That means more than enough. Not just getting by, not just making in meat, but it is God's desire to put in our hands more than enough. God wants to put, give us the overflow in our life, but in order to tap into the overflow, we have to walk in obedience to what he said. And you know what I have discovered? There are so many people who will go out of their way to justify not doing what the Lord said do. There, were, there are people that will go all out of their way to justify, go all around the scripture, trying in an attempt to justify their disobedience to God. Well, I don't pay my tithe and my offering because they, 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 they ain't handling the money right. I'm going to let that marinate just a moment. You know what? There was a time, one Sunday, I never will forget, I was mad. I was mad. And as I tell you what, I'm not going to pay my tithe this Sunday. And I didn't pay my tithe that Sunday. But that next week, I got a fat ticket that, that, that was. <laughs> and then when I got that, the Lord, I heard him say, look, had you not disobeyed what I said? He said, I let this happen. He made that clear to me. I allowed this to happen to you. Because of your disobedience to what you knew in your heart was right. And you know what I've discovered? Whether we know or whether we are ignorant, 
we still will be whipped because the Bible tells us that those that know will be know what's right and don't do right will be whipped with what? Many stripes. And even the ones who are ignorant and don't know, they still will be whipped. But they get fewer stripes. Is there anybody here know God can put a whipping on you like you ain't never had? And I have discovered that God desires our obedience over a sacrifice. Because his word says that obedience is what? It's better than sacrifice. Because what was, why would a person have need of a sacrifice? Is because somewhere they have disobeyed what God said. And if they have sinned against God, then in order for their sin to be atoned, they would have to bring a sacrifice and get things right with God. But if you obey him all along, you have no need for a sacrifice because you've been walking in obedience to what he said all the time. That's why he said obedience is better than sacrifice. Listen, it pays to obey God in all things. He, 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 he will reward those who are faithful in obeying what he said. But I've discovered that people will come up with all kinds of reasons why they don't obey the Lord. The Lord said, remember the Sabbath day to keep holy. Well, I don't go to church. Them folk down there are so messy. I, I just don't go. All kinds of excuses. Well, I don't go to church because I was hurt in the church. I understand that there's no, no, no hurt that can really uh, kind of match up to church hurt. It's because you just expect better out of church folk. But even that is not an excuse. If that was a good enough excuse, I would have done quit preaching by now. To know that folks are digging ditches for you and you got to look them in the face and preach to them and tell them the Lord love you. <laughs> hmm? Tell your neighbor there's no excuse. Give me just a little bit more time. But now here the Lord gives his people, the children of Israel, instruction about the requirements that he has set for them to obey. Did you catch that? He's given them instruction concerning the requirements that he, God, has set for them to obey. And every sermon that the preacher, every preacher delivers out of the word of the Lord, the people have to remember that it's not what Pastor Thompson said, but it is the word of God. The only reason Pastor Thompson encourages you to pay your tithes and offering because God said do it. 
The only reason I would encourage you to love your enemies and do good to them that despitefully use you because God said do it. And when it comes down to obeying God, even though you may not, you may have certain folk that you're not, not particularly uh, uh, caring for, whatever the case is. But you have to come to that realization that I'm not doing this for man, but I'm doing it because God said do it. I'm doing it because he said it. So here he gives them the instruction. He tells them, you sh in verse 1, you shall make no idols nor graven image, neither shall you rear up a standing image, neither shall you set up any image of stone in your land to bow down to it. In other words, that's number one with God. He said, I will not accept second place in your life. He said, I don't want you to make nothing else a God in your life. In other words, he said, thou shalt ha have no other gods before me. In other words, don't make nothing else into a god. How many know that God is serious about that thing? And, 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 and I come to tell you that, that yes, we can understand that he's God and we can love him, we can worship him, but we can also, if we're not careful, we can also, amen, is erect or establish other gods in our life. Your house can be a god. Got a great big old room and paid thousands of dollars for furniture that folks can't even sit on. Some rooms in the house are off limits. Then paid that great big mortgage and, and half of the house, ain't, ain't, nobody even going in. See, we can make gods. Let me tell you something. Little G-O-Ds. Money can become a god. In our life, your husband, your wife, your boyfriend, your girlfriend can become a God in your life without you even recognizing that you're making it a God. Some people say, well, well, I just don't want nobody to sit on my furniture and mess it up. I paid so much money. For... And don't even realize that you have made that into a God. I just don't want nobody messing my car up. I just want to keep it. I just want to get, make all the money that I can make so I can live comfortable. Some folk got some old money. <laughs> Did you hear what I said? Old money. 
just packing, packing it, packing it, packing it, packing it. <laughs> but what? But what good is it going to do you? You know, and God, I'm not saying that God has a problem with us saving because it is wise to save. But what God has a problem at is if we make that money a God. Or, in other words, let me put it like this, more important to us than God. And God understands that everybody have to work and all that stuff. But you have some folks, I have actually prayed for people, with people to get a good job, get the job that they want. And they said, if God bless me with this job, I'm going to serve him, I'm going to come to church. And lo and behold, that job pulled them away from God. And my prayer is, God, don't give me nothing that will pull me away from you. If it's going to cause me to become uppity and arrogant and stupid and foolish and forget that it was you that brought me to the point where I am, God, don't give it to me. I don't even want it. Because... I don't want to make it another God in my life. Look, he says unto them, you will not have, you shall not have any other gods to bow down to him. He said, for I am the Lord, your God. He said, I'm your God. He made that announcement to the children of Israel. Then he said, you shall keep my Sabbaths, meaning that you shall respect the Sabbath. And reverence my sanctuary. He says, I am the Lord. Look at here. He said, you shall keep or respect my Sabbath. A lot of people don't even respect the Sabbath day. Used to be a time when, when, when Sunday come. No working, none of that, none of that going on. And people would press their way to the house of the Lord. And now God has been so good to us. So good to us. So merciful. So, so kind. He has abundantly blessed us. That some, so many people have come to the place where they feel that I don't need God. All you need is a good education. Good job and, and, and all that. You can make it. But the Lord said unto them, I want you to respect my Sabbath. And then here's another part I love in that second verse. And reverence my sanctuary. In other words, respect my house. Now that's something that, that, that is major to God. These are some of the first things that he told them about. He said, I don't want you to make nothing else of God in your life. I don't want you to put anything above me. And then he tells them, I want you to honor the Sabbath day. Remember the Sabbath day. And I want you to respect my sanctuary. 
And in this day and time in which we live, there are so many people who have forgotten the fact that God is God and he deserves to be honored. His house deserves to be reverenced and respected. It used to be a time people wouldn't say anything in church, but now folks will cuss you out right in the sanctuary. It used to be a time people wouldn't do certain things. But now people have become so laxed in their reverence, not only for the man of God. See, because I have discovered this. When people become lax in their reverence toward the man of God or the servant of God, it's because they have become lax first toward God. And the more they disrespect God, the more they will disrespect you. The less they reverence God, the less they will respect you. That's the problem. A lot of folk they feel like, well, the pastor getting ready to preach is my time to walk. And that's a lack of reverence. Not just toward the one who's speaking, but even God himself. God says, I want you to respect my sanctuary. Because my sanctuary is a holy place. He wants us to respect and to reverence him, to reverence his sanctuary. It, it matters to God. It matters to God. And let me tell you this. We need to continue to instill in our children, in our young people, to do the same thing. Because if you don't teach them, how will they know? They need to know that when they come into the, the house of the Lord, when they come into the sanctuary, and not just in the church, but even when you pull up on the church ground, we, all of it is holy ground. You shouldn't just say anything, not just in the church, but even if you're on church ground, you ought to watch your mouth. You ought to watch what you do. Because there is a reverence that ought to be in the hearts of every child of God. And the reason why it's so hard to get people to worship and praise a lot of the time is because it's a lack of respect toward God. He says, I am the Lord your God. Capital G-O-D, not little G-O-D. He said, I am the Lord your God. He had them to understand that it was he, 
that brought them forth out of the land of Egypt and when we come back to the realization can I tell you the reason why we experiencing a lot of what we experiencing in the United States today is because God is trying to get our attention because so many people have come to that place everything everywhere you look they trying to erase God out of everything trying to take God off of the money take God out of the school and anywhere you remove God from you have a mess on your hand that's why our nation is in the shape that is in and can I tell you no man can fix this problem no man I don't care who you have in there as president no man can fix this problem this thing is beyond any man this is a problem only God can fix. And in 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14, he said, if my people which are called by my name would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. The problem can be solved, but there's something we got to do. The problem is not beyond fixing, but there's something we have to do. As God's people, when God said that my people called by my name will humble themselves, number one, I like to put it in plain terminology. God is saying my folks need to come down off their high horse. Got too many folks on a high horse. Amen. Uppity and arrogant. Come on here somebody. Untouchable, unreachable. And I'm talking about every, a, a lot of folks in the body. You got preachers, uppity and arrogant. Stuck up, you can't hardly shake their hand unless you pay them $15. Come on there, somebody, but how many know God says it's time for my folks to come down in a place of humility? It's time to come down. God said they're too high. And sometimes what God has to do, he has to allow. Because see, even in that second Chronicles, he says under Solomon, he says, he said, look, if I shut up heaven, that there be no rain. Notice what God said. If I shut up heaven, that there be no rain. And, 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 and have you ever thought about the fact that some of the stuff that we're experiencing in our nation even now is some of God's doing? If I do this or if I allow this, he says, I know that that would get my folks' attention. They'll start calling on me. They'll come to a place of humility. So God is desiring, amen, that we respect and reverence his sanctuary. And in this day and hour, there needs to be a restoration of respect for God's house.
Some folks show up thinking that they're supposed to be entertained every Sunday. Some folks show up just to be able to socialize. But how many know that God's house is not for social, just for a social gathering? But it's a place for worship. Worship of God. To worship and to praise him. Listen, he says unto them, he, he gives them a guarantee. Beginning in verse 3, he said, if you walk in my statutes, that means that if you do what my word says. Okay? If you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and do them or put them into practice. Notice it, he said, if you walk in my statutes, keep my commandments and do them, put them into practice. So he stresses do three times. He stresses do three times in that verse. He says, if you walk in my statutes, to walk in his statutes is to do what it says. He says that, and keep my commandments. To keep his commandment is to do what his commandment says. And then he says, and do them, meaning put them into practice. See, it's not enough just to come to, to, just to, come to the sanctuary and hear the word or come to Bible study and take all them notes and never put into practice what you have been instructed. I like to say this, information without application leads to damnation. Let me say that again. Information, the word of God, without application, putting it into practice, will lead to damnation. What am I saying? If we receive the information of the word of God and we never apply it to our life and put it into practice, what's going to happen? We will be eternally doomed or damned. Jesus said, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, in Matthew the seventh chapter. He said, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, he said, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it did not fall, meaning that that house was not destroyed because it was founded upon a rock. So we must receive the, inf the necessary information and we must go forth with the application or put into practice the word of God so that we can avoid eternal damnation. It's important. He said, if you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and do them, look at the benefits that are to be received in verse 4. He said, then I will give you rain in due season. The rain 
in due season represents that there will be an outpouring of his blessing upon your life but you have to wait on your time that's what the due season represents you have to wait on your time amen when when whenever spring comes no matter how bad you saying in your mind oh i'll be glad when summer get here you have to wait on summer and just like you have to wait on the, the different seasons to come that you're looking forward to in your life, amen, you have to wait on God, amen, to bring you forth in your season of blessings and prosperity and abundance because the Bible teaches us after we have done the will of God, we need what? Patience to wait. And receive the promise of what he said. So now, that's one benefit. He will give us rain in due season. Meaning that he will shower upon us his blessing. And, this, and the land, look. Now, these other blessings to fo that, that follow the statement of what he said in the A part of, of, of verse 4. He said, then I will give you rain in due season, comma, and the land shall yield her increase. All of the other blessings will be a result of him pouring out the rain or sending the rain in due season. All of these things is going to be a result of the rain. Listen, and the land shall yield her increase and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. And your threshing shall reach unto the vintage, and the vintage shall reach unto the sowing time. And ye shall eat bread, your bread to the full, and dwell in your land safely. All of these are benefits that they would receive as a result of walking in obedience to what the Lord says. Look at here. He says, you will dwell in your land safely, meaning you won't have to worry about satanic attacks because he will take care of you. You won't have to worry. See, because it's one thing to get a blessing, but it's another thing to get the blessing and you're worried about the enemy coming in, overtaking you. But God said, after I bless your life or overthrowing you, he said, I won't allow the enemy to overthrow you. I won't let the enemy attack you, but you will be able to dwell safely in your land. He said, look, in verse 6, and I will give you peace. You, 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 you'll have peace. How many know when you obey God, you, there's a peace that you are able to enjoy? Illustration. If you're not, a, if you go and work a nine to five, or whatever the hours may be, and you're not selling drugs, after you get off your nine to five, get off your job, you can go home, you can rest, you can have peace, you don't have to worry about the popo.
Because you working, you, you, you making your honest living. But those who, 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 who may not be working a nine to five and they choose to make that fast money, they really don't have the peace that you have. You may not have as much money as they have, but you, got, you sure got more peace. And how many know that peace is better than money? Oh yeah, it's better than money. Let me tell you something. I, I, I don't want to have to live a life where, where I have to look over my shoulder all the time. Because not only are you worrying about the popo, but the deeper they get into that game, they have to worry about somebody else, somebody being mad. You done sold somebody some bad drugs and all that stuff. You got to worry about all that. And, 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 and you just don't have the peace when you don't have God. They have a lot to worry about. But I'd rather have peace. <laughs> I'd rather live in a hut and have peace. I'm almost finished. He said, I will give peace in the land and you shall lie down. You'll be able to lie down as a result of the fact that you have peace. And none shall make you afraid. You won't be scared of nobody. And I will rid evil beasts out of the land. I will take care of the evil beasts. Neither shall the sword go through your land. There will be no war, he said, that will go through your, through your land. That's what it means. Neither shall the sword. The sword represents a time of war. That no war will go through your land, he says. And, and he said, and you shall chase your enemies. Your enemies won't be chasing you. He said, but you will be chasing them. In other words, instead of them pursuing you, you'll be pursuing them. Instead of you running from them, they will be running from you. As a result, all, all of this is a result of if they what? Obey God. These are benefits they, they will receive. And they shall fall before you by the sword. And five of you shall chase a hundred, and a hundred of you shall put ten thousand to flight. And your enemies shall fall before you by the sword. For I will have respect unto you. I'm, I'm getting ready to wrap this up. When he says, I will have respect unto you, that means that I will favor you. He says, I will put my favor on your life. And a lot of us in this room can attest to the fact that w as we look back over our life, we can say some doors we were able to walk through, it wasn't because of us. It wasn't because of us. But it was because God put his favor on our life. And the favor of God, my brothers and sisters, is better than money. The favor of God is better than anything that you can have in this world. Because when God favors you, God will make your enemy feed you. God will make your enemy bless you. 
after they swore with all of their heart, I'll never lift a hand to help her. But how many know that when God's favor is upon your life, God is a sovereign God. And the Bible said the king's heart is in the hand of God and he can turn it whichever way he chooses. Some, some of the same folks, amen, who may be trying to work against you and keep you out of some places. God, because of his favor, will get you indoors that politics can't get you in. God's favor on your life can get you indoors that pulling strings can't get you in. And if it's anything that we want on our life, you want God to favor you. You want him to favor you. Because to have favor with God is better than knowing Barack Obama personally. Do you hear what I'm saying? To have favor with God. Oh Lord have mercy. Do y'all understand what I'm saying? Do you know what it means to have favor with God? Do you know who God is? The one, amen, who said let there be light and there was light. The one who took the stars and, and hung them up in the sky. Took the, took the sun and the moon and hung them up in the sky. The one who departed and parted the land from the sea. God, the eternal one, the omnipotent one, the omniscient one. The one who holds all power in both heaven and earth in his hand. To have favor with him. To have favor with him. To obtain the favor of God. Somebody may say, well, preacher, how do I obtain God's favor? All you have to do is obey him. Well, how can I obey him? Get in the word and learn whatever it is that he wants from you. See, you can't please nobody if you don't know what they want. In order for a wife to be able to please her husband, she got to know what he wants. In order for the husband to be able to satisfy his wife, he has to have a knowledge of whatever it is that she wants. And in order for a man to please God, he has to know what God wants from him. And then after he discovers what it is that God wants from him, he needs to try all that he can with all of his might to do it. Woman getting ready to cook dinner. I can fix you some pinto beans. And, and man don't even like pinto beans. 
And if he don't like pinto beans, what's gonna happen? He, he ain't gonna eat them. <laughs> that was just an illustration. But the point that I'm trying to convey is that in order for there to be satisfaction, in order for there to be uh, pleasing things done, we have to know whatever it is that he desires. And the only way we can know what he desires is that we have to get in his word. Then we have to talk to him. And say, Lord, what is it that you want? from me what is it that you want from me that's the question and, 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 and some of those questions can be answered even as we get in the word and just read the written word of God then if you lack understanding pray, talk to him God, what do you expect from me? What do you really want from me? Because it's my heart's desire to obey you. It's my heart's desire to please you. And when a man's ways please God, the word said that God will make even his enemy be at peace with him. When a man's ways are pleasing to God. Is his desire to bless? And we see here in the word that he says in verse 9. He said, I will, I will have respect unto you, meaning that I will favor you. Then he said, I will make you fruitful, productive. Productive. Then he said, I will multiply you. Notice here, now to multiply can also mean to add, I will add unto you, but, but notice that the words that God choose are very important. He didn't just say, I will add to you. Because there's a difference in adding and multiplying. 10 plus 5 is 15. But 10 times 5 is 50. Did anybody catch that? God don't just want to add unto you, but God said, I want to multiply you. Give you blessing, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. But in order for me to get what I have for you, to you, you got to obey me. you took those same figures 10 plus 5 and 10 times 5 and equate that into dollars which one would you want the 10 plus 5 or 10 times 5 ask your neighbor which one do you want tell your neighbor I don't want him to just add to me but I want him to multiply me 
Because when he multiplies me, my life will be abundantly blessed. And he'll give me more than enough. He said, I'll multiply you. And I will establish my covenant with you. In other words, I will make an agreement with you. Notice here, the Lord, as I close, it's important what he said, the last thing he said. What did he say? I will what? Make and establish what? My covenant with you. And he'll, here is what God was saying in so many words when he said he's willing to establish the covenant. He was willing to, he was saying that everything that I said, I'm willing to go through with it. Because see, some folks can tell you stuff with their mouth, but if they're not willing to sign a contract or enter into an agreement, they can go back and say, I didn't say that. But God was saying to the people, I'm willing to go into a covenant, into a contract with you as a guarantee that I won't go back on my word, as a guarantee that if you do what I said, it's a guarantee that you can look for me to do what I said. And God is saying the same thing to us today. He said, if you do what I said, love your enemies, do good to them that despitefully use you. If your enemies hungry, feed them. The thirsty, give them something to drink. Love me with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And, and, and the things just go on and on and on what God wants from us. And if we just walk in obedience to what he said, oh, how abundantly blessed our lives would be. Somebody may say, well, I've been doing what he said. I've been doing what he said, but I haven't seen the results that I want to see yet. Wait on the Lord. And keep doing what he said. Because his word said, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And if you have done what he said, all you have to do now is continue and wait on him to send the rain. Because it's coming. If he said it, you can look for it. And he said, if you walk in obedience, you can look for me to abundantly bless your life. And some of us have seen some blessings. But God told me to tell you before I, before I go, don't let that swell your head up because some more is on the way. And if you let that little bit swell your head, that's going to hinder you from getting what else he has in store for you. As we stand to our feet, there may be someone here today who desires to be saved and receive Jesus as your Savior and make him the Lord of your life. This is your opportunity to come to be saved. 
And the Lord said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. He's standing at the door of your heart, at the door of your life. He's desiring to come in. But the only way he can get in, the only way that he will come in is that you let him in. The doors of the church are open. There may be someone today who's out of the ark of safety, who's never received or accepted Jesus as your Savior and made him the Lord of your life. This is your chance to come. He's waiting on you. He's standing with an outstretched hand saying, come unto me. All that labor and the heavy laden. He says, come. There may be someone here today that said, well, preacher, I know that, 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 that I need to draw closer to God. I need to, 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 to pursue him more than I have. Maybe you want to recommit or rededicate your life to him. You can come as well. For those of you who, have, who, who desire to join this church, you can come by letter. You can come as a candidate for baptism. You can come by Christian experience. You can also come under watch care. If you feel led of the Lord to come under watch care. Maybe you're away from your hometown and you're just here for a season of your life. And you want us to take on the responsibility of watching over your soul. We'll be glad to do that. The Lord said, whosoever will, let him come. This is your opportunity. If, you, if you're in this building, I wouldn't let this moment I wouldn't let this opportunity pass me by because we may never have this opportunity again this is your chance as the choir sings the invitational song will you come I'm available is there anyone scheduled for baptism are you present lift your hand okay if you will go ahead to the baptismal area everybody scheduled for baptism if you will go on to the baptismal area if there's one desiring to be saved or make greater union your church home, this is your opportunity to come. And enable me to say, all oh, my story is empty. And I, I'm If there be one, will you come? I wouldn't let this chance pass me by. If you feel the Lord is leading you to come, will you come up front? We have seats up here. Just come and take a seat up front so that we can identify who you are. If you wanting to come, we want you to come. Our hearts, our arms, our doors are open to receive you in the love of God. Jesus said, whosoever will, let him come. Regardless to who you are or what you have done, doesn't even matter what you're caught up in right now. The Lord stands ready to receive you and to forgive you of all of your sin. This is your chance. Don't let it pass you by. Don't let it pass you by. Don't put off today for some other time, but come now. And I am Sing that one more round. We're giving them a little more time to make up their mind. Should somebody be in the house desiring to come, will you come? Lord, I'm available to you.